Welcome to the first ever podcast of Religion and Politics Unhinged. I'm Dr. K. This is the show where I talk about whatever religious or political thoughts are swirling around in my brain. And you get to hear the perspective of a pastor and a patriot. And I'm also a new father to a precious little girl named Iva. Iva means God is gracious and he has been gracious. Um, I'm also a conservative. I'm a, I'm a patriot. I'm a pastor. Uh, today's show, being the first, is probably going to be a bit chaotic. So I'm, I, I'm just asking for a little grace um, until I get my bearings, figure out exactly what I'm doing. And because I focus so much of my life on religion and spirituality, I feel like I need to balance that with other things facing our nation especially when socialists rise to power. So my goal is to meet with you at least once a week to keep you informed on what's happening in politics. I'm not above fact checks, so I welcome your fact checks. I welcome your comments. You can send any fact checks or comments to PastorRoyCCE at gmail.com. PastorRoyCCE, which is Covenant Church East, at gmail.com. And please don't expect to get another Joel Olstein over this next hour. We'll be talking about a lot of negative things because I'm essentially sounding the alarm. I'm sounding the trumpet, a call of warning to our nation and to our church. In fact, Joel chapter 2, verse 1, it says, Blow the trumpet in Zion, sound the alarm on my holy hill. Let all who live in the land tremble, for the day of the Lord is coming and is close at hand. All right, so this week, I want to get us caught up on current events. Since the inauguration of Joe Biden as our nation's 46th president, and it's going to quickly become apparent that our introduction to this presidency should cause concern for what the next four years might yield. So let's be honest with each other. Democrats and Republicans are both garbage parties we've all experienced it because there are more rhinos in the republican party than there are actual conservatives but there are far more christians and conservatives throughout this country than there are liberals though liberals are much better at mobilizing and much better at street organizing So the media would have you believe that conservatives are a minority, but this has been one of the big lies for quite some time. So again, listen, both Republicans, both Democrat parties, yes, they're garbage parties. But the key difference is that that the Republicans don't embrace the socialist agenda like the left, and therefore will destroy this country at a far slower pace. And this will hopefully, patriots, I'm talking to the patriots out there, this will hopefully give us enough time to reform the party and restore true Christian principles to this land, the principles this land was founded on, the principles of the fatherhood of God and the brotherhood of man, the very principles that Jesus taught in the Gospels. So this will be today's format. The show's going to be a a mixed bag of the news since Joe Biden's inauguration. And also, I found this very interesting, and I think you will too, 
the 45 goals of communism that were introduced into Congress in 1963. We're going to take a look at those, and I think that'll be fascinating for you. So as we address some pretty serious issues, we'll hopefully open the eyes of at least one progressive along the way. So I'm sitting here uh, with my water, with my coffee. I have all of these articles in front of me, and hopefully we'll be able to keep things moving without too many glitches. So here we go. Buckle your seatbelt. I want to keep things moving fairly quickly. The number one focus of the liberal media right now, whether it's CNN, New York Times, MSNBC, is to paint Joe Biden as the supremely normal person. We're hearing it everywhere. There's no one more normal, more knowledgeable, more healthy, more appropriate than Joe Biden. There's only one problem with all this. Joe Biden's policies are anything but normal. But instead of focusing on Biden's radical policies, the media are asking him things like, what's your favorite kind of ice cream, Mr. President? Remember, they asked Barack Obama the same thing. And Joe, of course, confirmed it's chocolate chip. You'll note that chocolate chip ice cream covers all of his bases. It includes brown chocolate. It includes white ice cream because Joe, of course, needs to to keep things balanced. And then the New York Times spent an article arguing why Joe Biden wearing a Rolex costing over $7,000 is still just so normal. But of course, those who have ears to hear through, through all of the, the, the fog realize that this is all just a bunch of nonsense. And this is what we're, we're going to have to listen to from the media, the activist media, for the next four years, the sycophants, in the mainstream media. Yes, we no longer have journalists. We no longer have journalism. The news core has been taken over by activists. But this has been apparent for a long, long time. We can thank Rush Limbaugh uh, for exposing it many years ago. So, I'm not going to follow the lead of the activist media. Instead, I'm going to talk about Joe's actual policies and the disastrous impact that they will inevitably have on the American people. So, what was the nation's introduction to Joe Biden? Let's first, let's talk about executive orders. Take a little sip of my extremely black, thick black coffee. Let's talk about executive orders. Joe sat down at his desk in the Oval Office. On day one, he took out his pen and he just started signing executive orders, and he signed a lot of them. Executive orders, for those of you who aren't aware, are unilateral action that requires no input from any Republicans or any member of Congress at all. Joe Biden, in record pace, signed more executive orders in two days than Donald Trump signed in two months. But the activist media maintains that it's Donald Trump who's the dictator. Listen to what Joe Biden said in October. Back in October, Biden said, I have this strange notion. We are a democracy. If you can't get the votes, you can't legislate by executive order Unless you're a dictator. Joe, remember what you said in October. You can't legislate by executive order unless you're a dictator. And then he said, we're a democracy. 
does Joe really believe that we're a democracy? You can't legislate by executive order unless you're a dictator. Obviously, Joe Biden is a hypocrite. He's a liar. And by his own standard, by his own standard, he's a dictator. But I think that's going to become all too apparent in the weeks and the years to come. Listen, this man, as of yesterday, I believe, he's up to 40 executive orders. He's been in office for two, for two weeks. 40 executive orders is anything but normal. If Trump, if Donald Trump was a dictator, then by Joe's own standards, he himself is a radically tyrannical dictator. It seems that Joe Biden has forgotten that Congress is in place for making laws. And it's remarkable that even the far-left New York Times warned Biden, he said, they said, ease up. Ease up on the executive orders. You'll probably never hear a, a warning like that again from the New York Times over the next four years. So if you want a little bit of a comparison, executive orders by recent presidents in the first week of office. So the second week of Biden in office, 40 executive orders. In, the fir in his first week in office, 33 executive orders. Barack Obama, five. Donald Trump, four. Bill Clinton, two. George W. Bush, two. Do you see something that's a little off balance? Joe Biden is up to 40 executive orders. Published reports say that Biden has prepared 53 executive orders to be imposed before February 10th. I cannot repeat loud enough. This is not normal. These policies are not normal. Trump, our president, Trump, was denounced by critics as an autocrat when he signed 11 executive orders in that same period of time. And I just read that we're already up to, to 40 executive orders. So according to Joe's, Joe's own words and standard, the Democrats have elected a dictator. And that's not the worst of it. Through his, uh, these executive orders, Biden may have already set a single day record for the number of jobs killed by an American president. Quite remarkably, it's estimated that Joe's executive orders, this is amazing, that his executive orders will kill around 70,000 jobs. And many of you liberals and many leftists out there will actually celebrate this. I want to go to an article here. Listen to this. Biden revoked the permit for the Keystone XL pipeline as promised. In so doing, he killed some 11,000 direct jobs that the pipeline's construction was to have created. And an estimated 60,000 indirect jobs in secondary related industries. Do you think the, the mainstream media are going to talk about this? Over 1,000 workers already on the job, mostly union workers that voted for Biden, will be laid off. And you know these workers are regretting their vote for Joe Biden. Uh, so they'll be laid off. Listen to this. The Association of Oil Pipelines complained, as did the United Association of Union plumbers and pipe fitters. They complained. Uh, though the union may only have itself to blame because why it endorsed Biden in August after he had promised to kill the pipeline in May. All right. And Biden also halted the construction of the border wall in the U.S.-Mexico boundary last Wednesday. This is 
beyond me why the Democrats refuse to protect our borders from illegal criminals. Listen, there is a legal means. There is a legal means. No matter how loud they argue that we should not protect our borders, that it's inhumane, there is a legal means for becoming for becoming a citizen of the United States. But they want the, the liberalism wants us to forget about that. They want us to think that that uh, that this is inhumane. There is a legal way to become a citizen. Also on Thursday, the Biden administration announced that it had suspended oil and gas permits on federal land. It's unclear how many jobs that will cost, but the outlook is not good. So most presidents promised to create jobs. Biden, Joe Biden, killed up to 70,000 jobs in his first 24 hours. All right, I, I think that's enough for that right now um i have a lot more on it but we're gonna we're gonna keep moving so the biden administration is on track to destroy the entire energy sector biden has now blocked new oil and gas leases on 700 million acres of land and think about this think about this america has the highest environmental standards in the world So if we're not the ones developing these resources, other countries will. Countries with lower standards than we have. This is a no-brainer. All right, New Mexico. New Mexico voted for Biden, and now they regret oil and gas suspension. The state of New Mexico voted for Biden in November, sending its five electoral votes to the Democratic candidate. Yet today... And this was a, a few days ago. The state is alarmed by newly inaugurated Biden's 60-day suspension of oil and gas leasing. New Mexico is among the top 10 energy-producing states in the U.S. It has 7% of U.S. oil reserves, and it is the third-largest oil-producing state, enjoying rapid growth in recent years. Yes, the state voted for Biden and the Biden administration did not explain how suppressing a key part of the nation's energy will help an economy still struggling to recover from the effects of the the coronavirus pandemic. Isn't that remarkable? We're we're in recovery mode. We're, We're struggling to recover. So the Biden administration has not explained how suppressing a key part of this nation's energy is going to help an economy that's still struggling. Biden also issued other directives that will hurt the energy sector, including his decision to revoke the permit of the pipeline. Um, So there you have it. Uh, Regret from New Mexico, regret from the unions over uh, voting for Joe Biden. And I'm not sure how. Honestly, I'm not sure how most Democrats aren't regretting voting for Biden. Think about this. Joe Biden canceling the Keystone XL pipeline would mean trains and trucks would have to start transporting oil. He says he's for net zero emissions. You know what has emissions? Trucks and trains, not pipelines. None of this makes sense. Canceling the pipeline is obviously just a partisan move on Biden's part. He has to appeal to his far-left environmental friends. He has no choice in the matter. 
Okay, let's, let's talk about the Paris Climate Agreement. In related news, President Trump wisely got us out of the Paris Climate Accord because it's obviously, and it's an obvious socialist scheme to redistribute the wealth of, of America to nations that will misuse it. But, but Biden will now join an international agreement that essentially hands our energy policy over to Europe without going to the Senate for approval, and Senate Republicans want an evaluation of this, and all the people who are crying about Trump's authoritarianism are going to cheer it on. They are cheering it on. That's what we're getting from the media. Most of us realize that that the Democrats, and we've come to see this over over the years, that the Democrats are using climate change, and they're using it for an unparalleled power grab, a massive redistribution of wealth. And it's, if we let them do this, if we see this thing out, it's going to be like nothing this nation has ever seen before. Everything from carbon credits to higher taxes on everything energy to, to a non-energy dependence to a total energy dependence upon other nations, especially Saudi Arabia. The irony of all this is that the ones that are that are pushing this are so often the ones who have the biggest carbon footprint. They own their own private jets. And yes, John Kerry, the president's top environmental policy advisor, is one of them. He has his own private jet. But but this is liberalism. This is hypocrisy at its finest. This is liberalism at its finest. I want to take a rabbit trail. I want, I want to keep moving, but I want to take a rabbit trail. I think it's important to digress for a moment. Um, okay, I, I, I need to mention for just a moment the fact that the Democrat Party is no longer the party of John F. Kennedy. Ask not what your country can do for you. Ask what you can do for your country. So um, I bring this up at this point because I'm appealing to every Democrat who still votes Democrat because your parents or your grandparents voted Democrat. And today you have, you have no idea what the, the party stands for. But you believe the activist media and you keep voting Democrat. So I'm talking to those people. The party is no longer the party of JFK. By today's standards, John F. Kennedy would be considered really a moderate Republican. This was a man who cared about jobs. He cared about the working class. And that's no longer the Democrat Party. That party died a long time ago. In the mid-60s, in the mid-1960s, many Democrats were overtly racist. But they weren't full-blown socialist at that point in time. They, they were still the party of Jim Crow. They were still the party of the KKK. Yes, in case you didn't know this, the the KKK was the terrorist wing of the Democrat Party, much like BLM and Antifa today make up part of the terrorist wing of that same party. But in the 50s and the 60s, the, the Democrats actually fought hard against civil rights and the Civil Rights Act, which of course, which of course is why Martin Luther King Jr. was a Republican. This is why he was a Republican. But then... The Democrats realized they could capitalize on the black vote, so they began the great campaign to manipulate the, the black community to further the ends of their party. And it's really quite remarkable 
that in just 50 years' time, the Democrats could go from attacking the black community through the KKK. This is what I mean by, by saying that they're much better at mobilizing than the, than the conservative party. Because over 50 years' time, they went from attacking the black community through the KKK to manipulating and using the black community and groups like BLM and Antifa to attack conservatives, the very people who've always fought so hard for equal rights, and to attack Christians. It's remarkable. And Democrats have done this by bringing race into everything and making everything an issue of race. And especially they've done it another way, and I think this is important to bring up, and I want to talk about this in, in weeks to come, but... They've done this also by following the playbook of the socialist Saul Alinsky. Saul Alinsky wrote the book Rules for Radicals. I think it came out in 1971. And it's taught in, in liberal universities like Columbia, where Barack Hussein Obama attended. Alinsky actually, he actually inspired both Barack Obama and, and Hillary Clinton. If you doubt me on this, listen to what the Chicago Sun-Times said about Alinsky's book. Alinsky's techniques and teachings influenced generations of community and labor organizers, including the church-based group hiring a young Barack Obama to work on Chicago's South Side in the 1980s. Alinsky impressed a young Hillary Clinton who was growing up in Park Ridge at the time Alinsky was the director of the Industrial Areas Foundation in Chicago. Um, I plan to talk more about Alinsky's roles for radicals in the weeks to come, but this is important right now because this is what Alinsky said in his book. Listen to this. Listen to this. Accuse your opponent of what you are doing to create confusion and to inculcate voters against evidence of your own guilt. Amazing. Accuse your opponent of what you're doing to confuse them and so that you'll inculcate voters against evidence of your own vote or your own guilt. Write this down because this has been the playbook of the left ever since Alinsky wrote it in 1971 and taught it. Accuse your opponent of what you are doing. Let me give you an example of this. Accuse conservatives of being racist. Even though black unemployment was far better under Trump than under Obama. Accuse conservatives of being racist. Even though school choice for blacks was far better under Trump than under Obama. Accuse conservatives of being racist. Even though it is, in reality, liberal policies that tell blacks where to live, Section 8, and what to eat, food stamps, and continually program blacks to believe that they are victims. And that's what's happening with our media. That's what's happening with our, our, our liberal congressmen. They're, they're programming the black community to believe that they are victims dependent upon the almighty government. And, ooh, listen to this. You can keep all of these gifts of government as long as you continue to vote Democrat. It amazes me. It amazes me that people don't realize that liberalism is actually quite literally the driving force behind the race war and the activist media is actually itself creating this narrative. Police brutality by individual police officers does not equal systemic 
racism. No matter how loud, how often, and how obnoxious you claim that it does. This is also part of the liberal playbook that's regular, regularly often practiced by leftist politicians and the activist media like CNN and the New York Times. If you tell a lie big enough and keep repeating it, people will eventually come to believe it. And that's what the media are doing. They're repeating a lie over and over again and hordes of people have come to believe it. But claiming systemic racism exists in law enforcement is just as nonsensical as identifying one racist teacher or one social worker and claiming that all teachers and all social workers are racist. I mean, this isn't, this isn't complicated stuff. So why have Democrats isolated the police in this race war? It certainly isn't because statistics demonstrate systemic racism in law enforcement, because they don't. The Justice Department's records don't indicate this. Statistics show that most blacks are killed by blacks, just like most whites are killed by whites. Most Latinos are killed by Latinos, and so on. And, and if the, the most persecuted group in America are not blacks. The most persecuted group in America are Jews. And yet Jews are constantly under attack and there is a rampant anti-Semitism that exists, exists today in the Democrat Party. So why do Democrats isolate the police? I think it's a, it's a fair question. Because the police represent and they maintain law and order. And as you'll see shortly, this falls right in line with the roles of socialism and even the 1963 stated goals of communism i think that's going to be very interesting for us to look at so what's happening in our country right now is evidence of an attack on law enforcement and the role of law everywhere but it is not evidence of systemic racism okay i hope um i hope you're enjoying the show the the podcast we we have a lot to cover but first have you ever thought of going to bible college but felt like you just couldn't afford it and maybe you don't know where to start. At Westmoreland School of Ministry in Greensburg, Pennsylvania, courses are quality, inexpensive, and can be transferred into any bachelor degree program. When you attend Westmoreland School of Ministry, classes are fully accredited through the Oral Roberts University Bible Institute. Visit their website today at www.wsmin.com. Dot net. That's www.wsmin.net. And hurry, because I think classes start February 8th. Okay, before we go any further, I need to introduce something of great concern, and then we'll get back to recent events. I want to introduce, or I want to talk briefly about why liberalism is actually a significant threat to the republic and to our future as a prosperous, God-fearing nation. There, there are many points that I'd like to cover on this topic, but we're only going to look at, at three of them today. So number one, the 45 goals of the Communist Party are being fulfilled by liberals today, and I'm going to show you this. Number two, socialism is alive and well in the Democrat Party. Number three, 
Excuse me. Number three, liberal socialism wants to change our institutions for all time. Serious stuff. I'm not going to exhaust these three areas this week. I'm actually going to talk about them quite uh, briefly. Um, but because we're hopefully going to return to them in the weeks to come. But I do have a few things to, to say about each of them to set the, the groundwork for future podcasts. So number one, the 45 goals of the Communist Party are being fulfilled by liberals today. So what are those goals and where did they come from? 45 Communist Goals for America. It was January 10, 1963, that Congressman Albert S. Herlong Jr. from Florida read the list of 45 Communist communist goals for America into the congressional record. Um, I want to start with number 15. Number 15, it says, capture one or both of the political parties in the United States. And in his book, Reagan's War, Peter Schweizer demonstrates the astonishing degree to which communists and communist sympathizers have penetrated the the Democratic Party. So that's a a book to get a hold of, Reagan's War. Reagan's War. But but number 15, capture one or both of the the political parties in the U.S. I'm going to read just a few of these, these 45 goals. And you tell me, honestly... Whether you think this sounds like the Republican Party or the, or the Democrat Party. Number three, develop the illusion that total disarmament by the U.S. would be a demonstration of moral strength. Interesting, because I'm old enough to remember when this was pretty much uh, all Barack Obama talked about for eight years. Okay, number four, permit free trade between all nations regardless of communist affiliation and regardless of whether or not items could be used for war. You remember um, Barack's policies with North Korea. Not very good. Number 11, promote the UN as the only hope for mankind. Demand that it be set up as the one world government with its own Independent armed forces. Promote the UN, the UN as the only hope for mankind. Um, number 16, use technical decisions of the courts to weaken basic American institutions by claiming their activities violate civil rights. We've seen that with decisions that have come from a left-leaning Supreme Court. Uh, Number 17, get control of the schools. Use them as transmission belts for socialism and current communist propaganda. We've certainly seen that. Number 18, gain control of all student newspapers. Number 19, use student riots. And this is something the left have have always celebrated. Use riots. Use student riots to foment public protests against programs or organizations that are under communist attack. 
Number 20, infiltrate the press. Number 21, gain control of key positions in radio, TV, and motion pictures. We have, we have certainly seen all of this. Number 22, continue discrediting American culture by degrading all form of artistic expression. This goes along with number 23. Control art critics and directors of art museums. Listen, this is, this is amazing because this is what we, we constantly see in liberalism today. It says, our plan is to promote ugliness, repulsiveness, meaningless art. Think back on the art that you've seen over the past 50 years. Number 25. Number 25. Break down cultural standards of morality by promoting pornography and obscenity in books, magazines, motion pictures, radio, and television. If, if number 25 doesn't describe Hollywood to the T, I don't know what does. Hollywood. Celebrities in Hollywood. A, a group, a liberal group of people who are constantly promoting obscenity, pornography, and just downright immorality. Listen to number 26. Present, present homosexuality, degeneracy, and promiscuity as normal natural and healthy present homosexuality degeneracy and promiscuity as normal natural and healthy this is what this is what the liberal agenda is today this is what the uh the hollywood agenda is today can you remember if, thinking back to the television shows the programs that have come out recently over the past 10 years the, the goal of many of these is to celebrate homosexuality, to celebrate things like transgenderism. Okay, number 27, infiltrate the churches and replace revealed religion with social religion. Discredit the Bible and emphasize the need for intellectual maturity, which does not need a religious crutch. Number 28, eliminate prayer or any phase of religious expression in the schools on the grounds that it violates the principle of separation of church and state. So, we, we, mo many of us understand that separation of church and, and state is an invention of the left, that this doesn't exist in our Constitution, that, that this language appeared in a letter from Thomas Jefferson but it has been blown out of proportion by the left. Separation of church and state is actually intended to protect the church from the state, not to protect the state from the godly principles that it was actually founded upon. But prayer was eliminated in public schools um, between 1962 and 1963, so this has been accomplished uh, by communism and by the left. Number 29, discredit the American Constitution by calling it inadequate, old-fashioned, out of step with modern needs, a hindrance to cooperation between nations on a worldwide basis. Every choice that uh, Obama had uh, for courts and for the Supreme Court um, believes, every, without exception, every one of these individuals believe that the Constitution is a living document that, that changes based on how it is interpreted, not based upon the author's intent, um, because this is what they've done. They have 
discredited the Constitution by calling it inadequate, old-fashioned, out of step with modern needs, and so it must be reinterpreted for today. Number 30, discredit the American founding fathers. You saw it during the BLM riots. We all saw it with the Antifa riots. Discrediting the, the founding fathers, tearing down statues. They're coming for your statues now. What will they come for next? Time will tell. Number 31, belittle all forms of American culture and discourage the teaching of American history. Discourage the teaching of American history on the ground that it was only a minor part of the big picture. Obviously, that's the liberal agenda today. Number 32, support any socialist movement to give centralized control over any part of the culture. Support any the key word there is any socialist movement support any socialist movement support any socialist movement i'm going to show you after this uh, that that the socialist movement is alive and well in the democrat party number 36 is obvious an obvious one infiltrate and gain control of more unions number 37 infiltrate and gain control of big business number 38 here it is Here it is. Transfer some of the powers of arrest from the police to social agencies. It's incredible that it it actually uses this very language because this is what was argued throughout the whole defund the police, defund the police. The argument was this very thing to transfer the powers from the police literally to social agencies. Liberalism is following the communist goals to the T. And yet people continue to vote Democrat because honestly, I think that these are good, hardworking American people who don't have any idea what the Democrat Party is about today. Number 40, discredit the family as an institution. That was actually one of the um, stated, that was in the mission statement of BLM was to discredit the family as an institution. And once uh, conservatives drew attention to it, they, they took it out of their mission statement. So you wouldn't be able to see it today, but it was there, and I'm sure people have images of it from when it was on uh, Black Lives Matter's website. Number 41, emphasize the need to raise children away from the negative influence of parents. This, this looks today like uh, liberalism's outcome-based education and similar things. So, number 42, this is the key to the the BLM and Antifa movements in the Democrat Party. Number 42, create the impression that violence and insurrection are legitimate aspects of the American tradition. And this is what the left are doing now. They're pointing to Martin Luther King and they're saying, look, our violence, our insurrection is legitimate, but anyone who who knows Martin Luther King, anyone who knows his daughter knows that they were against violence. Martin Luther King Jr. against violence, his daughter against violence. She is a conservative and a Christian, and she speaks out against this liberal nonsense. Um, Number 45, this is the last one I'm going to mention. Number 45 wants to give the world court jurisdiction over domestic problems, give the world court jurisdiction over nations and individuals alike, this is where things like this, para, this Paris Climate Accord come into play and where the UN come into play. We all know liberals love the UN and they love the Paris Climate Accord. So there's a lot more going on 
than uh, many of my listeners may have realized. So I'm going to move on to number two, and I hope you're bearing with me. I hope you're enjoying the show. I hope it's not drudgery for you. I hope my pace is okay. Hey, this is the first podcast. We'll figure this thing out over the weeks to come. Needed a little sip of my, um, my thick black tar coffee. Number two, socialism is alive and well in the Democrat Party. In fact, it's celebrated in the Democrat Party. There are actually Democrats who deny that socialism is the new fabric of the Democrat Party. I have no idea how or why. Uh, Maybe these are the the people that Rush Limbaugh called the low-information voter. I don't know, but I talked to one of them over Christmas when conversations we hope will be pleasant and enjoyable, uh, but it, it just amazes me. So let me start by telling you just a little bit about the Democrat Socialists of America. The Democrat Socialists of America. The DSA's members... Their ideological views range from social democracy to democratic socialism. Its roots are in the Socialist Party of America. In 1982, the Democrat Socialist Organizing Committee merged with the New America Movement. A coalition, this is the part I wanted you to hear, a coalition of intellectuals with roots in the new left movements of the 1960s, and listen to this, former members of socialist and communist parties of the old left. The organization has endorsed such democratic presidential candidates as Walter Mondale, Jesse Jackson, John Kerry, Barack Obama, Bernie Sanders, and even the Green Party candidate, Ralph Nader. All right, well, it gets better. The following American politicians are members This is current American politicians in office today are members of the Democrat Socialists of America. They have held elected or appointed office in the United States in 2017 elections. DSA members were elected to 15, yes, you heard it right, 15 state and local offices. In the 2018 midterm elections, DSA members Alexandria O'Connor Ocasio-Cortez, or as some call her, Alexandria Occasional Cortex, and Rashida Tlaib. Rashida Tlaib is an overt anti-Semitic. She is an overt racist against the Jewish people. Uh, uh, Alexandria and Rashida Tlaib were elected to the United States House of Representatives, and DSA members were elected to over 40 state and local offices. Um. You'll, in the 2020 elections, DSA members Jamal Bauman or Bowman and Corey Bush were elected to the House, and at least 36, 36 DSA members won office, earning more than 3.1 million Democrat votes. This is amazing. 3.1 million Democrats voted for these socialists. But you'll notice that there are no Democrat socialists in the Republican Party. The DSA, the DSA is the largest socialist organization in the United States. And as of November 2020, membership grew to more than 85,000 
people. This is important because as I read, the number 32 goal of communism support any socialist movement to give centralized control over any part of the culture. Scary stuff. We all know that the language of communism still has a, keeps a really bad taste in everyone's mouths in America. So the only way to infiltrate a culture that remembers what it was like to fight against such tyrants as the, the former Soviet Union, remember the Berlin Wall? They needed to change the name and make it something more palatable, something more acceptable like liberalism or progressivism. And Joe Biden's policies speak for themselves. If the Democrat Party has been so emboldened to see what we are already seeing from Biden with two weeks in office, 40 executive orders that are hurting this country, this economy, and our rights as Americans, just imagine how crazy things might get when the party really gets moving. All right, before we get back to current news, number three, liberal socialism wants to change our institutions. And in fact, it does. Uh, Joe Biden was asked many times if he would stack the Supreme Court. He wouldn't answer the question. And this is so important because no matter, liberal socialism wants to change our institutions. This is very serious because no matter how crappy both the Democrat and Republican parties are, we know that every two years there's an election, every four years there's an election for president, we know that the pendulum can swing without too much devastation having occurred. And we know that corrections can be made. We know that there are checks and balances. We know that there's gridlock. Gridlock is designed intentionally to keep us from moving forward with policies that will hurt this country. But now, today, the Democrats have voiced that they want to change all of that. Democrats have stated rather clearly, which has never been denied by Joe Biden, that they want to stack the Supreme Court with Democrat justices. And here's the problem. If you add justices to the Supreme Court and stack that court, you have fundamentally changed an institution for all time in a way that was not meant to be changed. And that can't be corrected in four years. There can't be a pendulum swing. There can't be a checks and balances. So if they make the total 12 justices instead of nine and they fill those seats with three Democrat justices, you have fundamentally transferred by shameful and unfair means. You have fundamentally transferred the authority of the Supreme Court to one party. To one party. This is sinister. This is sinister. And you've transferred that power for possibly decades, if not indefinitely. You've broken the system which was designed to be a two-party system so that we can have gridlock, we can have checks and balances. But the Democrats want to seize all power. They want to eliminate those checks and balances. And this is what frustrates me. And yes, I am frustrated. You Democrats keep voting for this garbage. And the Democrats also want to eliminate the filibuster, which has been important for both parties. And they want to make Washington, D.C. a state. They want to make Washington, D.C. a state so that those electoral votes will go to the Democrats to ensure victory, basically for any election to come in the future. That, that would essentially break any tie 
uh, for our candidates. So they want to eliminate the two-party system. They want total power. These actions are not normal. Joe Biden, they want to paint him as the normal candidate, but his policies are anything but normal. These are radical overreaches of power that would break the system, eliminating eliminating the two-party checks and balances. So you can see we can't allow that to happen. This can't happen. I feel like I've been yelling for this past 45 minutes, but I'm sounding an alarm. Blow the trumpet in Zion. Sound the alarm on my holy mountain. All right. So those are the three points I wanted to make today. Let's get back to Biden and the news. Right now, our nation's top priorities should be, and I think Democrats and Republicans alike would agree about this, our top priorities should be recovering from coronavirus getting people back to work, getting kids back to school, getting vaccines to those who want them. But, but President Biden's priorities, based on his, exec- his executive orders, there's no confusion here about his priorities. We see them in these executive orders. His priorities, and these are just a few examples, seem to be, number one, destroying Keystone XL jobs, making gas more expensive, raising energy costs on American families. Number two, giving citizenship to illegal immigrants and releasing criminal immigrants from detention. Again, this, is, this should be a no-brainer. There is a legal means. There is a legal means for uh, immigrants to, be, to enter this country. A legal means. Number three, allowing biologic men to, biological men to dominate women's sports. Allowing, number four, allowing boys to use girls' bathrooms. Number five, increasing the price of insulin for those who need it, which is really strange. Number, uh, what are we on, number six, giving back to the Chinese Communist Party control over our power grid. Yes, Joe signed that order too. So this is quite odd. Joe Biden actually reversed Trump's executive order to reduce pricing for insulin and epinephrine. The the question we should be asking, why do Democrats want, why do they want higher insulin prices? Your guess is as good as mine. So here's the bottom line. Joe Biden is bad for trade, bad for jobs, bad for immigration, bad for girls' sports, bad for energy prices, bad for just about every aspect of life. But his tweets aren't mean like Trump, and he doesn't have orange skin like Trump, so he was good enough to vote for. And I'm curious now, just talking out loud here, I'm curious just how many people in in my audience right now suffered from Trump derangement syndrome and didn't even realize it. Maybe even thought that maybe you were being patriots instead of brainwashed victims of the activist media. And whenever people pointed out to you the wonderful things that Trump had done, such as energy independence. Listen, I'm not arguing that Trump was a perfect president, but he did some good things that the media covered up for four years. But when these good things were brought up, the only response that many liberals had was, orange man bad. Orange man bad. Just an illogical response of Trump derangement syndrome. 
Trump derangement syndrome seems to be a real thing. So just some of the great things that Trump did while he was in office, energy independence is a big one. Energy independence. In 2019, for the very first time, America became a key exporter of energy. Even though we've always only been an importer of energy. This could never happen under a, a, a liberal regime. It's just not, it, it would just not be possible. Trump fought to protect our borders from illegal criminals. Remember, there's such a thing as a path to legal citizenship. No one is denying immigrants that legal path. But the activist media want to lie about this. Trump improved Obamacare. By eliminating the universal mandate, he improved Obamacare. He stood for the lives of the unborn. He profited the whole country, the stock market. Our is at record highs, so our 401ks are reaching record highs. Even in the midst of a pandemic, he lowered taxes. Democrats, for some reason, think that raising taxes is, always, is the solution. But he lowered taxes. He made it easier to start a business. Trump is the only president, I think, since Carter to not enter us into a war. Remember all the, the fear mongering that Trump was going to basically destroy the world and the country with nucle nuclear bombs? Well, now we know that those were all lies. He didn't enter us into any wars like most presidents before him. And Trump even brought peaceful alliances into the Middle East after Democrats like John Kerry said it was impossible. But if you ask a liberal for any specific examples of how Trump's policies harmed them, you get a blank stare. If you ask a liberal, how, listen, how, tell me, how did Trump's policies harm you? It's just a blank, it's a deer in a headlight stare. If you're a Democrat and you're listening right now, please email me, PastorRoyCCE at gmail.com. Please email me if you have even a single example of harm that came to you or your business because of Donald Trump. And if harm came to your business during the pandemic, it wasn't Trump's policies. It was liberal Democrat governors who imposed these regulations. Trump was saying all along, open everything up. Freedom is worth it. Listen, freedom is always worth the risk. This is always the conservative um, position. Freedom is always worse, worth the risk. Freedom is greater than security. Freedom is even greater than health. Freedom is greater than anything else. Freedom is always worth the risk. Um, so if you have even a single harm that, that came to you from President Trump, I'll share it with everyone on the next podcast. And that is, of course, PastorRoyCCE at gmail.com. I think it's fairly obvious that the country is a better place because of the president, because of President Trump. And we should mark the day Joe Biden took office because with, with Trump's leadership, and we're, we'll look at this in four years, with Trump's leadership, gas is at $2 a gallon, interest rates at 2.25%, the stock market over 30,820 points, even with COVID, no new wars, North Korea is under control, trade is equalized, Mid -East, Mid Middle East peace deals were that were historical is what we saw, 
unemployment at 6.7%, even with COVID. So let's see where we're at in four years. And, and of course, one more thing, one other thing. America became a key exporter of energy. This will become literally impossible under the new green, the Green New Deal policies of the left. Uh, you might not remember this, but Barack Obama, regarding his socialist energy policies in January 2008, said, then Senator Obama said, and I'm quoting him, he said electricity rates would necessarily skyrocket. Electricity rates would necessarily skyrocket if we were if he was to follow through on his liberal agenda. And then even after saying things like this, even after stating that his goal is a single payer system for health care, that the government just totally take over health care, even after all these things, Democrats still voted for him. And I'm honestly I'm scratching my head why anyone would ever vote Democrat. I don't understand it. All right, breaking news, breaking news, just in. It appears that right at this very moment, there's some earth-shattering breaking news from CNN. CNN is saying, in cost-saving measure, the White House today fired the entire crew who shines the shoes of the first family because the press corps is now shining President Biden's shoes with their tongues each day. Wow, well, that, that's quite a story, but maybe more of that later. It was, it's breaking news. I thought you should hear it. But let's talk more about these executive orders. Executive orders, transgender executive orders. Why in the world, why in the world would Joe Biden make it his first priority to allow boys into girls' bathrooms and locker rooms and to permit permit men to play in women's sports. The left loves to talk about a so-called war on women from the right. But an actual war on women is putting men into women's sports. So the party that claims to be the party of science is advancing policies on day one that deny the reality of biological men and women. Of all the things, of all the things that, that President Biden could do in his first day in office, why was one of them signing a radical transgender activist executive order? Back on January, back in January uh, 25th, 2020, Biden tweeted, let's be clear. Transgender equality is the civil rights issue of our time. There's no room for compromise when it comes to basic human rights. This certainly sounds good, but who among us would want to compromise when it comes to basic human rights? None of us. But that's not what this is about. It's about prioritizing the perceived needs of those who identify as transgender, a great minority, meaning those who do not feel at home with their biological sex, prioritizing these people to the point that the rights of others are negatively impacted. We're not talking about a legitimate civil rights issues 
Like telling a black man he can't drink from the white man's water fountain or telling a black woman she can't sit in the white man's seat on a bus. We're talking about six-year-old girls being forced to share their school bathroom with a biological boy who believes he's a girl, probably because his parents told him that he is. We're talking about a 17-year-old girl being told she must share her school locker room with a biological male who wants to play on the girls' softball team. We're talking about the same 17-year-old girl who misses out on a prize scholarship because she was bested by her biological male peer who identifies as a female. You're hearing this all correctly. This is all true. This is what Biden has done. And this is why author Abigail Schreier tweeted. She tweeted, on day one, Biden unilaterally eviscerates women's sports. Any educational institution that receives federal funding must admit biologically male athletes to women's teams, women's scholarships, etc. A new glass ceiling was just placed over girls. Obviously, this isn't right, and this is certainly not a matter of civil rights. This is a matter matter of unfair discrimination. As for the simple matter of bathrooms, there are numerous documented reports of girls feeling so uncomfortable with the presence of boys in their school bathrooms that they actually refrain from relieving themselves for the entire day at school. And others wear their gym clothes under their regular clothes lest they be forced to change in the presence of a boy. So you tell me what happened to the basic human rights of these girls. And when it comes to sports, many of the males that these girls compete with have not had any hormonal treatments. And so they're functioning fully as biological males. And this completely undermines the very concept of boys and girls sports. There is a reason for the separation, and it is called fairness. Fairness. The president's executive order destroys that fairness with one stroke of the pen. Oh. (laughs) you can't make this stuff up you cannot make this stuff up if so few people identify as transgender why sign an executive order affecting everyone else just for them now i need to say this and and this is important we we can't make any mistake about this 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 will negatively impact your children especially your girls It's inevitable. It will and it has. And to be sure, every one of us should show love, love to those struggling with gender identity confusion, whether they're children or adults. And if a school can accommodate a trans-identified child by allowing them to use a private bathroom, that doesn't hurt anybody. But we don't turn the world upside down to accommodate the struggles of less than 1% of the population. And by all means, we don't strip away the rights of others on their behalf. And this is a reason why I voted for Donald Trump, because a vote for him was a vote against this radical and this dangerous and this confused agenda. But this isn't a surprise to those who voted for Trump. And I hope it wasn't a surprise to those who voted for for Biden, but why you would vote for this is beyond me. But let's be prepared then to love every trans person we meet while pushing back against this dangerous agenda every way 
that we can. So now we need to, of course, appreciate something about all of this. By Biden making this, this transgender uh, policies, making these transgender policies one of his first decisions in office, it basically accomplishes three things. Number one, it exposes how out of touch with reality and science this administration is. Number two, it demonstrates a complete lack of discretion regarding the real rights and needs of women. Um, number three, it shows that Biden and his administration have embraced the full-blown psychosis of the radicals in his party. And this should concern all of us because it signals, it's, it signals that the radicals have in fact taken over the Democrat Party. Reason and science and logic are no longer in vogue, in vogue, and especially not religion. New York Times, it was quite a joke that they said that uh, Joe Biden was one of our most religious presidents in a long time. Total joke. Of course, they're doing that once again to paint him as the normal guy, the normal president. If we focus on how so-called normal he is, then we won't focus on these radically abnormal policies. Before we talk more about these executive orders, I need to mention that earlier this week, within 24 hours, your federal government mobilized to protect hedge fund managers. Within 24 hours. But if you recall, they'd pre the, they had previously left American fam families to suffer in lockdown and joblessness for 10 months while they debated a stimulus bill. Within 24 hours, they mobilized to protect hedge fund managers. So if the powers that be are willing to rig the stock market to help bail out their buddies on Wall Street who were just a few billion dollars in the hole after they took advantage of the little guy for decades, what do you think that they would do to regain control of a multi-trillion dollar economy? When Democrats, when socialists take over a multi-trillion dollar economy, we should all be concerned. Uh, but that doesn't excuse the extreme spending and debt that, our, that President Trump accumulated in four years. That is unexcusable. That is unexcusable. So we've seen what, what uh, liberalism is capable of even this past week uh, with the government mobilizing for hedge fund managers. We've seen what they're willing to do, and now, of course, Joe Biden is our president. Joe wants to raise minimum wage to $15, but what he's not telling you, what the media aren't telling you, that this would be a minimum of 1.3 million jobs lost. Family income would re be reduced by $9 billion, and this is what Democrats refuse to tell the people. They may have good intentions, and the, uh, the media will highlight those intentions, so they'll be forgiven, but this is going to hurt our economy uh, because small businesses, especially, especially during recovery, we're trying to recover as an, an economy. $15 minimum wage makes zero sense during this time. Okay, I, there's a lot to talk about. But I think we're running out of time. 
Um, Google some of these things. Biden rescinds Trump order banning Chinese communist involvement in U.S. power grid. Google it. Google Biden removes Trump order protecting U.S. power grid from China. Google, um, let's see, what else do we have? What other articles do we have here? Biden recommits U.S. to Paris Climate Accord, which we already talked about. Um, there, there's so much immigration, lockdowns, just a lot of different things going on. But we're sounding the alarm. We're sounding the alarm. Joel chapter 2, verse 1. Sound the alarm on my holy mountain. Sound the alarm in Zion. We're sounding the alarm. And, and before we end, I mean, this has been a lot of negativity. It's been a lot. And, and it puts a lot on you. Because it, in, it should increase our sense of responsibility, our sense of obligation for our country. And so you're probably asking at this point, what can we do? What part can we play? We need to make things better. And I'll say, I'll give you three things today that you can do. Number one, learn as much as you possibly can. Educate yourself about these things and speak the truth in love to your liberal friends and family. Speak the truth always in love. That's number one. Number two, be godly people. Be godly people. And as godly people, get educated. Get educated because we need you in jobs like education. We need you in jobs of religion. Of, we need you in businesses. We need you in government, in entertainment, and in, in media. So get educated. Get jobs in education, religion, uh, family-focused jobs in business, government, entertainment, and media. We need, we need you there. We need godly people. We need morally upright people in those positions. And third, and this might actually be the most important, get alone with God and pray. Get alone with God and pray. Acts chapter 4, verse, verse 23. I'm going to read this. Um, it's, it's quite a few verses, but I think it's important. It says, Upon their release... Peter and John returned to their own people and reported everything that the chief priests and elders had said to them. When the believers heard this, they lifted up their voices to God with one accord. Sovereign Lord, they said, you have made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them. You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your holy servant, our father David. Why do the nations rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth take their stand and the rulers gather together against the Lord and against his anointed one. In fact, this is the very city where Herod and Pontius Pilate conspired with the Gentiles and the people of Israel against your holy servant, Jesus, whom you anointed. They carried out what your hand and will had decided beforehand would happen. And now, Lord, this is a significant part in their prayer. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with complete boldness. As you stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. After they had prayed, their meeting place was shaken 
And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. That's the presence of God, God's Spirit, and spoke the word of God boldly. They spoke the truth boldly. Verse 32, the multitudes, the multitude of believers was one in heart and soul. Get alone with God. Become a praying people. I hope you enjoyed our, our first episode, our first podcast of religion and politics unhinged, uh, where I talk about whatever's floating through my brain. <laughs>